Draft Day is finally here in the NHL. It is Canucks Hour here on Sportsnet 650, your home of the Canucks, also your home for NHL draft coverage over the next couple of days. Jamie Dodd and Canucks insider Thomas Drance here with you. Uh, Drancer is on the scene in Montreal, and of course you can also read his work up at The Athletic covering the team. Canucks Hour brought to you by Avenue Machinery. Being a champion takes foresight. Build your company to win for years to come with fuel-efficient and reliable Kubota skid steers, excavators, and loaders from Avenue Machinery. Visit avenuemachinery.ca. Drancer, we have a ton to get to, a ton to get to today. Some interesting breaking news, not Canucks-related, but from around the NHL uh, to dive into. Obviously, the latest on on JT Miller, but I also uh, I, I got to ask you, how is the voice care regimen going over, over the last uh, 24 hours or so? Oh, I am absolutely crushing honey teas. There you um, go. Yeah, so much honey, it's incredible. I'm I'm consuming 80% of my caloric content today in the honey that I'm putting in my green teas. <laughs> but, you know, unfortunately for those of you who listen to the Canucks Hour expecting me to yell, you're going to be disappointed today. But that doesn't mean we won't have some of the best pre-draft analysis you will find really excited for draft day, bud. Well, we'll... we'll, we'll... We'll find the emotion still. It just won't be by yelling. We'll we'll, we'll keep it uh, in a, a voice friendly uh, yeah. way today for your sake, Chris. Or maybe I'll yell a little bit. Who knows? We'll see. You'll you'll have to take up the yelling, and I'll do the <laughs> Alan Rickman as Professor Snape like quiet intensity thing, and we'll be fine. Uh, all right, six fifty six fifty is the Dunbar Lumber text line. The smart alternative visit Dunbar Lumber on Bridge Street in Ladner or Arbutus in Vancouver. Online at DunbarLumber.com. Probably not a good sign that I, I can't remember whether I've uh, uh, told the listeners about the guests we're going to have on the show. But if I haven't, Jack Rathbone, Canucks prospect, Canucks defenseman, who of course just signed a new deal with the team last week. He will join us in about half an hour at 1030. And your colleague from the Athletic Drancer, Sean Gentilly, will stop by in the second hour at 1130. So really looking forward to both of those conversations. Now, Obviously, JT Miller still the number one talking point when it comes to the Canucks and the NHL draft, but just in the last 15 minutes or so, a couple of really interesting moves have happened around the NHL, so we'll get you caught up on those first before we dive into the JT Miller and the Canucks conversation. First, it was announced that Chris Letang headed back to the Pittsburgh Penguins. No surprise there. I do think the framework of the deal might have caught a few people by surprise a six-year 36.6 million dollar extension so that's of course a 6.1 aav that'll take him all the way to 41 and you look at it again i'm not sure everyone was expecting that term but when you start to think about it okay the term helps keep the aav down and you know elliot friedman's reporting he's still working on it but maybe it's a front-loaded deal and then the questions start to come well you know is chris letang really going to play all six of those years but from the looks of it, it looks like a creative way to, again, keep that annual average value down on Chris Letang while making it work for the player as well. And I don't know what this means for Evgeny Malkin for the rest of what Pittsburgh has to get done. But, I mean, Chris Letang, as they said in their announcement, set to be a lifelong uh, penguin with that deal. Well, and it's worth remembering that it doesn't really matter how you how creatively you structure the deal. The, the bet is locked in from a cap space perspective, because it's going to be a 35 plus contract, right? So there's no sort of getting around that. Like even if you buy it out, the cap hit remains. So, you know, the Penguins are definitely, definitely taking on a fair bit of risk here over, over the term of Chris Letang's deal. 
and yet there's now a real chance, like a real shot, that you know he ends up being the third or fourth highest paid free agent defenseman in this class when he is clearly head and shoulders above everyone else available, right? I mean, I think Noah Dobson probably comes in it more than that. I think John Klingberg, for sure, once he hits the open market, will come in above that. Uh, outside shot on Ben Chirot, in my opinion, just with the way that the or, uh, whole industry seems to value him. So, you know, if you end up with Chris Letang at something like $2.5 below market value in the last really crucial stretch of Sidney Crosby's career, right? Crosby has three years left. He's 34, 35, 36 in those years. If you want this team to be a contender or on the fringe of, of contending, which I think the Pittsburgh Penguins basically are, right? Although the Malkin loss will be massive if, if it does indeed go that way. You kind of needed to keep Latang, and they've kept Latang at an AAV rate that's well below what he should have got. And this text comes in from Alistair in Clearwater. Get your thoughts in. 650-650 is the Dunbar Lumber text line. He's uh, did Doug Wilson infiltrate the Penguins organization, and that's the reason they signed a 35-year-old defenseman to a long-term contract? And I think the thing is, they know there's risk. Obviously, you're signing a defenseman, you're signing any player to 41. Yeah, there's going to be a lot of risk attached to that deal, but it's it's just part and parcel with, I think, the philosophy, actually, that we saw Jim Rutherford and Patrick Alvin have when they were in Pittsburgh, right? Hey, we have Sidney Crosby. We're going to do absolutely everything we can to remain competitive while we have Sidney Crosby playing at an exceptionally high level. And I think if this, if this was the the trade-off you had to make, right? Okay, yeah, we're going to accept that risk on the back end of the deal in order to get the number down and make sure we still have an elite defenseman uh, for us while we have Sidney Crosby, while we're still trying to, you know, squeeze every last cup run we can uh, out of this core. I think it makes sense. And, you know, not to, uh, well, maybe I am just going to do it. The classic, what does this mean for JT Miller? And look, obviously there are very, these are very, very different situations, <laughs> but it illustrates that. Yeah. What teams, does it mean? Teams. What does it mean for Dan Riccio's pronunciation of John Marino? And that, how that often was, we're going to have to hear it. I, my goodness. That was my second thought as well. I, I wasn't going to go there, but I definitely had that thought Drancer. but nightmare to to uh, oh no, I love it. It cracks me up every time I hear it. No, it's, it's a delight. No, it's a, a pure delight. It's an, like I, I'm higher on Marino than most, and I have no time for this because I don't want to hear a rolled R in the pronunciation of Marino ever. It just it it cracked me up because I'd never even like considered an Italian pronunciation of John Marino. You know what I mean? Like there's some players around the league where like like Andrew Mangiapane. It's like okay, yeah, put some Italian flair on that one. I had just never even it had never even crossed my mind that you could do so with uh, with John Marino. But Reach found a way to do it. Um, but what I was going to say about the JT Miller comparison is, you know, I understand both from a Canucks perspective and as you're kind of trying to handicap where he could end up around the league, looking at it and saying, you know, well, are our teams really going to want to invest that much in a player who's about to be 30? And again, very different situations. You know, Crystal Tang, lifelong Penguin, has won cups with them, defenseman. I understand all of that. But just as a baseline rule, yeah, I think teams that think they're in that competitive window, they're going to be willing to assume some risk on the back end of the deal by giving out term if they think it really meaningfully moves the needle for them competing for a Stanley Cup in the first three or four years of a deal, right? And I think that's just, we're seeing the reaction come in, like, oh, why would Pittsburgh do this? It's such a long term. 
yeah, there's risk. There's no doubt about it. It's risk. But teams are willing to take on that sort of risk when they're in the middle of that competitive window, when they're really pushing to make a run at a Stanley Cup. Well, and let's not forget that Chris Letang is one of the best offensive defensemen. In yeah, the he's elite. He's this absolutely elite. Absolutely elite. This is this guy. This guy can miss twenty games and he still hits fifty points every year. Right? I, I mean, he's essential if that team is going to do anything over the next three years of Crosby's deal, and they needed to manage the term. We'll see where this lands. Right? If things go sideways, it's going to cost them a fair bit to get off right because you're probably looking at trying to trade him to a team that will buy him out for you right i mean it's not an easy situation to be in we saw with patrick marlowe right but the cost that it extracted from the toronto maple leafs when when they had to solve a similar problem uh this contract this risk however is far lower than the risk that lou lamorello took on as the gm of the maple leafs when he <laughs> when, when he signed marlowe um I, I thought this was a very impressive bit of work. Like, at the end of the day, for these seasons for Pittsburgh, the marginal value of saving $2.5 on Latang per year is, is through the roof. And the marginal value of the risk taken on three years down the line, to me, um, you know, pales in comparison with the benefit of what they can, you know, play with the additional space the additional flexibility they have right now to improve their team and try and take one more run while one of the greatest players of his generation is still a productive meaningful piece um it's a really fascinating deal from a pittsburgh perspective i am curious about what it means for evgeny malkin i mean to me it kind of says go for it bring him back try to try to uh, you know try to get every uh, last uh, competitive run in with Malkin, Latang, and Crosby under your team on your team that you can, but that remains to be seen. We'll get into that more with uh, Sean Gentile when he drops by later because he's locked in on all things Pittsburgh Penguins. In addition to covering the rest of the league, quickly, really quickly, before we get into uh, the JT Miller conversation, the other deal that went down. Oh, we're 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 going quickly on Georgiev, but he, I've got Georgiev. I know, I know you do, Drancer. But yes, the uh, the New York Rangers traded their backup goalie Alexander Georgiev to the Colorado Avalanche for a third and a fifth pick this year and a fifth next year and you know i I made the kind of tongue-in-cheek remark uh what does the chris letang deal mean for jt miller i mean interesting that the new york rangers are making moves ahead of the draft but obviously what this really means the the number one domino to fall here is darcy kemper uh will be hitting the free agent market and the goalie carousel is a really interesting one because i think there could be a lot of movement on that front but it's also one where the canucks are just kind of they're they're bystanders they're just watching it all go down and they're not really participating in it obviously no, well, and that's a good place to be in, right? Yeah, I not mean, bad. The, the goalie market is going to be extremely, extremely difficult to navigate. And I think this, what you're seeing here, is the Avalanche kind of throwing up their hands and just being like, okay, like we're not going to play in a $5 million per per year starter market right now. Uh, we think there's enough upside in a Franco's Georgiev pair and also we just won the cup with 900 goaltending <laughs> you know like our our route to another championship is in the quality of our ability to move right our ability to score our ability to control games not because we need a guy to be 940 for us in the playoffs and and so they've actually paid 
what is, in my view, a pretty big price for Georgiev. There are some things that Georgiev needs to work on in his game. There's also a ton of talent there. Um, but, you know, he had a $2.5 million QO, basically. Like, it was 2.3 something. And I was looking at him as a real non-tender candidate. You know, I thought there was a real, ch- real chance that Georgiev would not in any way get qualified. I thought he might be an unrestricted free agent next week. And so to net two third-round picks and a fifth-round pick for a player that even if New York was going to protect their value there, it wasn't going to be a slam-dunk decision. That's really good work for Chris Drury. And now he's got more picks to use to maybe go shopping for a bigger ticket item. Grease the wheels a little bit. Restock the pipeline, Drancer. I mean, New York has a lot of picks now. They don't have their first, which is sort of an interesting wrinkle here. It is. Right? And But, I mean, they now have an absolute mess of mid-rounders. You know, if you're playing like NHL franchise mode on the EA series, right? <laughs> They're just like adding a million yes. picks now. Like, just, just, oh yeah, yeah, we'll trade Georgiev for two thirds. It's like, oh yeah, the bars are equal. Let's go, let's go. That's what the Rangers are doing. Yeah, and uh, I believe I said uh, a third and a fifth this year and a fifth next year. And interesting note from Frank Saravelli who says uh, the Rangers and the Avs actually each denounced slightly different deals. But what he says the official deal is, yes, a third and a fifth this year and a third-round pick next year. So, yeah, multiple third-round picks and the extra fifth this year the Rangers get for for, for sending uh, Alex Georgiev to Colorado. So those are the uh, the, the late-breaking deals today. Interesting, you know, could, could be appetizers. <laughs> if, if, Go ahead. If the, Rangers, if the Rangers and the Colorado Avalanche announced different deals, which team's release should you believe? Uh, that's a great question. I don't know. I do not know the answer <laughs> to that. A, there's... There's actually a right answer. What, what is the right answer? It's New York. And it's New York's. Yeah, because no one in the Colorado staff has been sober in 10 days. <laughs> that's, that's it. Let's just like, oh, yeah, just just report the New York side of the deal. Well, and actually, and they, they, they haven't been celebrating endlessly. I actually think that uh, you're correct, is that, which is that the New York release was the <laughs> was yeah. the accurate one per Frank Saravelli. So you, might, you might be onto something no there. Brainer. When, when you're coming down from a cup hangover, right? And, and like, the Avs had, you know, in in a era of nightmare travel stories, right? The Avs got stuck, uh, like Jared Bednar and all of the Avs support staff and the Stanley Cup itself got stuck at the Minneapolis airport, right? For like incredible, like a, a ridiculous amount of time, like sixteen hours on their way to Montreal. So then you get in and. People are like, yeah, we traded some picks for Georgiev. Like, uh, what picks? Like, yeah, who cares? <laughs> just announce it. <laughs> just throw it out let's there. Go whatever. whatever. Let, let, let's go drinking. We've just cut everything from our draft class. Like, a, don't even worry about it. A We're third, not even showing a, up tonight. A third let's of Let's go party. We're the cup champs. Who cares? Whatever. It doesn't yeah, matter. Who, let's go party with the cup in Montreal, boys. <laughs> All right. Um, get it. Okay. Looks let, good on them. That Yeah, no kidding. That is, uh, that, that's your update from some news around the league. Now, obviously, JT Miller still topic number one. As we begin draft day from a Vancouver Canucks perspective, and you and uh, Rick Jollywall have a have a great piece and a great summary up at the Athletic, but I'll do you a solid here, Drancer, and I'll give you just uh, your voice a, a slight chance to rest here. Frank Zaravelli, uh, Daily Faceoff NHL Insider and regular 650 contributor, he was on with Halford and Bruff this morning, and I thought he did an excellent job of uh, putting where things stand with JT Miller and the Canucks in perspective as well. So we'll play that, then we'll get into it. Here's what Frank Saravelli had to say. Very clearly, JT Miller. Um, yeah. I think they're at a spot where 
I don't know that there's necessarily any urgency staring them back in the face today. Like, it's not like you must get through to, you know, must pull the trigger before today or the first round starts. Um, but I do think the interest is significant enough. I do think uh, they're at a spot where they have greater clarity on the contract front, as I reported yesterday. The two sides met here on Tuesday and do not appear to be close. Um, honestly, don't even seem to have, like, framework that they could – you know, chip away at it or work towards it. Um, and so I think when you add all those things up, when you add in the, the need for cap flexibility, you look at the position we've talked about this a million times, the Canucks could be in if they were to keep him and either be in the playoff chase or not, the awkwardness that that presents. I just think all the signs add up and point to JT Miller being on the move sooner rather than later and perhaps as soon as today. That is Frank Saravelli earlier today on with Halford and Bruff. You can uh, find the whole interview on the Halford and Bruff podcast, Apple, Spotify, Google, or wherever you get your podcasts. And, you know, Drance, it's, uh, I think that's a just a good way to sum up the whole situation from Frank, right? Like, yeah, things are pointing in that direction. Doesn't mean it will happen today, but by the same yep. token, it certainly could happen today. Things were pretty quiet as of Wednesday afternoon, and that's not to say the teams hadn't inquired, just that it didn't seem like there was – a ton of forward momentum that might push a trade into consummation prior to Thursday night's draft or, or even on the draft floor. And, you know, what's interesting about Saravalli's reporting regarding how close or far away uh, the two sides are in contract talks, you know, I think the Canucks stepped up their offer this week. And I don't think at any point have the sides had anything resembling common ground. Like, at no point have I heard anything positive about these negotiations at ever, like, in six months. Um, so, you know, I, I agree with him that it's all pointing in one direction. I agree with him that the overall nature of the return, right, the, the outcome, right, whether it's a team-friendly extension, whether it's a trade, the ultimate outcome is more important to the Canucks than the timing, right? And yet, I do think there is a sense of urgency. The, the club will tell you privately, they'll, they'll say publicly, A, there's no deadline, which is true, and B, that, you know, uh, until, the, until the trade deadline comes around, you know, we've got time. But their actions are clearly pointing in a different direction, right? The fact that they tried again to get the deal done prior to the draft. They want clarity here. They, they want a resolution here one way or another. And it might take a few days. I, I You know, things can change so quickly that I don't want to handicap it. But mm -hmm. people in the know, top decision makers, principals involved in these talks, cautioned me yesterday that things were quiet and, and they thought something would have to change for a deal to occur uh, today. Well, right? I think so that's, that's, that's my latest intel. And... We'll sort of see if things do change. They certainly could. You have to be careful at this time of year, right? Because things change yeah. in an instant. But, but that's kind of where we sit going into this evening. Uh, you know, a player who there's interest in, but not the type of interest that's resulted in the club getting an offer that they pull the trigger on. And we may end up in a staring contest on the draft floor through Thursday night. Well, I think the way you put it there is that something would have to change, but it could change. And I think that's important to keep in mind because this is the time of year where things can change quickly, right? And, and it reminds me a little bit of the 
the Brock Besser situation. Now, obviously, it's very different. You know, these are trade negotiations. That's an RFA deal. I understand that there was uh, some sort of a real firm, legit deadline in the form of the uh, the deadline for arbitration there with Besser. But, you know, that was things are quiet. They're, there's, they're not really close right now. But then, boom, somebody moves and all of a sudden they are close. And that's it's the same dynamic or at least the same possibility exists here with JT Miller, one thing that's interesting, and Jeff Merrick was on uh, with Bick and Randeep yesterday on the People's Show, and you know he reiterated what he'd said in other venues, which is that you know at least what he's hearing is things are pointing pretty strongly towards the Rangers as a potential destination uh, for JT Miller. Although again, with all the caveats about how that can change with one phone call, and the one thing to note, as you said earlier, the Rangers don't have a first round pick uh, tonight, which to me does kind of lessen any urgency if you if you are working closely on a deal with the Rangers right because it's not like oh hey we got to get this deal done so we can step up and make you know the 21st overall pick or whatever in this draft it it gives the teams a little bit of breathing room but also lessens the urgency to try to get something done right now if indeed the Rangers are kind of you know the team hottest on the trail of JT Miller well, yeah, and if the Rangers are the team that's hottest on the trail of JT Miller, that also explains why everything's dead silent, right? I, I said that yesterday. I still believe it. Like, Chris Story didn't even do media availabilities yesterday. <laughs> guy is just, guy is just, like, he's worse than Lou. You know, like, anything that's ever been said about Lou Lamorello's cone of silence applies tenfold to Chris Drury. Uh, <laughs> real antipathy for the media. Uh, which is funny because the New York Knicks also don't like the the Leon Rose group. They also don't really talk to the press, so it's like yeah, and, the and that's going great for the Knicks. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> what's funny? What's funny is that I actually the Knicks off season made sense after the fact, but because they weren't explaining to anyone what they were doing as it happened, they were just getting crushed on like draft night. Like until you could see all the pieces. People, it looked like a disaster, and now they've built probably what I think is like the sixth or seventh best team in the in the East, and done so with some you know very much movable contracts. But they still took on a level of criticism completely unnecessary. Now, we'll see. We'll see. The Rangers thing obviously looms large here. I don't want to get into it too much because I don't have great intel on it. You know, like sometimes I just have to be honest with you uh, and with our audience and just say I don't know. You know, like the Rangers. The Rangers keep such small counsel. Drury keeps such small counsel that, you know, there's there's internal people that don't know. <laughs> right? Like, they're, 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 whether it's real or not, I believe it's real. Everyone who covers the team believes it real, it's real. But no one knows. No, one, no one's sure about it. All we know is that they really like JT Miller. They have significant needs at center. Uh, the team's engaged in talks prior to the deadline and couldn't get something done. And has anything changed to the point where the Canucks might say yes? Woo. The Canucks might say yes. I, you know, we'll see as the day unfolds. Oh, uh, I'm definitely not laughing at the squeaks in your voice, Drancer. Don't, don't worry. Definitely, definitely not. That's... You're, you're, you're welcome to laugh at the squeaks in my voice. At least I'm not rolling my eyes on John Marino. There you go. Uh, fantastic. All right, we're going to take a break because up next, Canucks defenseman and... Uh, New uh, signed an extension last week with the club for two years. Jack Rathbone is going to join the show. Really looking forward to that. Lots more Canucks talk coming up as well. It is the Canucks Hour here on Sportsnet 650. We need some more secret sauce. Got any fruits or vegetables? Let's go. 
Here is where we rock out with Brock. Right circle, Brock Besser delays, shoots, and scores. This is Besser's house. Sport. Let's go. Welcome back to Canucks Tower Sportsnet 650. Jamie Dodd, and you heard him there. A play and hurt Thomas Drance, but still bringing, oh boy. still bringing the excitement. This is going to give me lots of enjoyment. This yeah, a dog is just—he is feasting. You're going to eat today, a <laughs> <Yes>. dog. <laughs> yes. I, I, I'm glad we have a dog minding our our op, like minding our board today because I deserve so richly every second of this, and my voice is a hundred percent going to crack at a crucial moment once again. Probably during this interview with yeah. Jack Rathbone. I'm going to have to apologize. He's going to think <laughs> I'm a jerk. Grant just spent seven hours at a karaoke bar yesterday. He's going to think now. we let the, the high school Sorry. intern on to do the interview. <laughs> I actually, I actually, well, there it, it is. happened again. I actually <laughs> did spend a bunch of time at a karaoke bar last night. I you refused, did? I was joking. That's no, amazing. I refused, That's amazing. I refused steadfastly to sing, but the version of Chris Faber doing Julio Iglesias. Oh, my God was incredible i'm not I like like absolute scene stealer just life-changing dude, event. nailed it dude nailed it i i'm i'm i may never get over it uh 650 650 is the dunbar lumber text line the smart alternative visit dunbar lumber on bridge street and ladner or arbutus in vancouver online at dunbarlumber.com uh, as we await momentarily to connect with jack jack rathbone here lots of questions about the canucks coming in and uh, lots of comments about uh drancer's voice here uh brandon and coquitlam says drancer's voice sounds like it needs to go on ltir but we're gonna persevere oh, wow. here it's true <laughs> and we are now uh, very pleased to be joined by Canucks defenseman Jack Rathbone, who recently signed a new two-year deal with the team. Jack, first of all, thanks for doing this. We really appreciate it. Congrats on the new contract. How are you? Great. Yeah, thank you, guys. Appreciate it. And, you know, before we get into the deal and what your summer looks like and, you know, looking ahead to next year and all of that, you know, we, we are here on day one of the NHL entry draft, and you know, it wasn't that long ago that you were in uh, the position that a lot of prospects and guys who were hoping to hear their name called are in right now. What do you remember, you know, from the process and just the kind of days and even the hours leading up to, to your draft day? Yeah, it's a, uh, it's a long process. I know it's a, it's a long year for, for a lot of these guys. Um, I, uh, I kind of didn't know where I was going to go. Um, obviously, you go through the combine and you have some good interviews and you have some ones that some teams that aren't as interested and um, obviously on draft day, you're kind of looking at those teams that you, you kind of had circled as you had some good meetings with and stuff. But I think it's uh it's, it's a fun day kind of, I think honestly advice would just be to take it in and enjoy it. I think it's, it's a long process and guys work hard for, for uh, to eventually hear their name called. What, what stands out from that moment when you did hear your name called and get the call that you've been selected? What do, what do you remember from that moment specifically? I was uh I got picked like second pick of the fourth, so I, I went to the bathroom in between uh the, the third and fourth, so I I luckily just made it back to my seat. But um that was awesome. I just <laughs> be able to uh, I had my family there and um my sister, my brother and my aunt and uh both my parents. It was in Chicago, so it was a fun day and um obviously it was was a uh, exciting to be picked by Van. Jack, you're going to have to excuse my gravelly voice here. I've been enjoying Montreal, but wanted to ask you about signing this two-year deal and in particular, you know, 
having a sense of certainty, right? This is an NHL level deal, period. Uh, first of your career. What impact does that have for you from a confidence standpoint, from a preparation for this upcoming season standpoint? Yeah, I think um, I, I don't think my preparation changes much um, just in terms of you, you kind of go into every year prepping to, to make the team out of camp and kind of put your best foot forward. But um, I think for, for a team to show that that confidence in you, I think that, that only helps you in your, your own personal confidence in your game going into camp. Last year you were able to play with the exception of COVID, of course, and, and some other disruptions, but you were able to play most of a full professional season in stark contrast with, you know, the, the taxi squad year and all the weird border restrictions that sort of impacted your first pro season. What did those reps mean to you? How fun was it to just play something that at least approximated a normal hockey season in the pros? Yeah, it was huge. Um, I talked to uh, I talked to Ryan Johnson about it a lot. Just in terms of that whole taxi squad year was, um, you know, something we had never experienced before, and uh, not being able to get some games in that year was was tough. But was looking forward to being able to, like you said, play full season and um, honestly just play consistently again. Um, that many reps, I think I, I took some big steps development wise, but. Um, and like I said, those only happen being able to get those games under underneath your belt. And uh, I was playing for a great coaching staff in Abbotsford um, when I was able to get those reps in. So it was, it was a lot of fun and uh, something I, I definitely don't take for granted. As you said, you, you took some big steps uh, this year, Jack, because you were finally able to get you know that that regular playing time. What kind of feedback did you get from the Canucks after your season ended? Yeah, it was uh, it was good. I think we we obviously with our playoff um, being cut a little short, a lot shorter than we wanted it to be there in Abbotsford. I think uh, discussions and exit meetings went well. Um, they were uh, we were obviously working on the deal um, a few weeks after uh, the season cut short. So it was uh, it was good to hear from them and kind of get their side on. Um, where, where they thought I was kind of us being able to communicate to them where we thought we were. Um, and I think obviously some, some productive discussions and just really excited about being able to get out there soon. You, you mentioned the coaching staff in Abbotsford and we're in conversation with Canucks defenseman, Jack Rathbone here on Sportsnet 650. You mentioned the coaching staff and Trent Cull, who was head coach in Abbotsford and Utica when you played there as well, he'll be behind the bench as an assistant for the Vancouver Canucks now, what was it like playing for uh, Trent Cole? What, what what was that relationship like for you? And, you know, as you look ahead to training camp, will it be kind of nice to have that familiar face uh, as an assistant for the big club now? Yeah, I think he uh, he deserves every bit of it. I think it was about time he got that promotion. He's been, um, he's been a, a huge asset to his players down in Utica and obviously in Abbotsford. Um, he was a guy that people wanted to go to war for day in day out so uh, i'm psyched to to see that he's uh find the bench with fan and um a little familiarity never, never hurts just obviously me with him and then him with my game so um he knows what makes me good and i know um you know just being able to bounce questions off him or kind of have a dialogue going already with him is huge so i'm um, looking forward to it jack you've known thatcher for a long time right like dating back to 
your childhood in Boston. Uh, obviously, what he's accomplished the last two years has uh, captured a lot of attention around the league and, and a lot of hearts in Vancouver. What have you seen from a guy that you know before he was a pro at this level? Like, What have you seen from him in terms of his growth that's helped him hit this level? Yeah, he's, uh, he's always been a pretty confident kid. Um, I think he, uh, he was obviously a stud at PC. Um, you never know with goalies and, and them making the jump to the pro level, but to make him or to see him do it and make it look so easy, he's been pretty special. Um, especially having a front row seat for most of it. So, um, he's, he's taken that, that starting role and ran with it. And, um, the, the confidence guys have playing in front of him is, is definitely, uh, I think something that, that the team definitely doesn't take for granted. And um, I think what's cool is you're only seeing the beginning of it. You're only seeing the start of it. So he's uh, obviously, in my opinion, one of, if not the best goaltenders in the league and um, fans are lucky to have him. You're summering in Boston. And of course, one of your Vancouver teammates, Connor Garland, uh, a noted rink rat in the Boston area. Um, I've heard that he runs a three on three league for some of the pros and, and college guys, the high level players in Boston. Will you play at any point? Yeah. Yeah. We, uh, we've been skating <laughs> already a little bit here. He's, uh, there's, uh, we, we were on the same three on three team last summer. Um, but he's, um, we'll probably do the same thing just in terms of the skating schedule, but guys start to ramp it up more just right here after the fourth. So, um, hasn't been too, too strenuous so far, but, We'll, uh, we'll build here, obviously, heading into training camp. Hey, Jack, we're not so far removed from uh, the Colorado Avalanche winning the Stanley Cup this year. And I think one of the big takeaways for a lot of fans and us in the media watching it was, you know, just how important the speed and the skill on their blue line was to them, you know, ultimately winning the Stanley Cup this year. And, you know, we, we know those are two strengths of your, your game, right? Your, your skating ability and your skill with the puck when you see a team like that have success does it does it make you a little excited too that hey the league is maybe trending uh in, in a direction where the things that i do well are going to be even more important yeah yeah i think they were uh obviously they were a pretty special team um and to be able to see you know the defensive part of the game kind of grow towards that um you're seeing a little bit of a trend right now so that's that's something that I think suits my game pretty well. And um, like I said, looking forward to hopefully bringing that to, to Van this year. You were talking about, you know, playing a little in a three on three league this summer. What parts of your game are you, you hoping to really zero in on zero in on and uh, improve ahead of training camp next fall? Yeah, a little bit of everything. Um, I think you, you go into the season, obviously looking to build on what you're good at. And, and I think everyone has their own deficiencies. So, um, I think obviously with, with me, a lot of it's you know, trying to round out my game. And I think I took, like, we talked about being able to play a full season last year. So I think took some big steps there and, um, hopefully continue that momentum here in the off season going into camp. Hey, Jack, we really appreciate the time. Thanks for doing this today. Congrats again on the new contract. I hope you enjoy the rest of your summer and, uh, we'll see you here for training camp in a couple of months. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me. That is Canucks defenseman Jack Rathbone, fresh off signing a new two-year, one-way deal with the team. Drancer, as you said, the kind of first official, no doubt about it, this is an NHL deal for the defenseman. And, 
Yeah, I mean, I can only, you know, I, I was glad you asked the question as well, Drancer, about, look, yeah, there were disruptions still for Jack Rathbone this year with COVID and with injuries, but he still played so much more regular hockey than he had over the last two previous seasons, uh, or over the last couple of years, anyways, and just what that was able to do for him, and I, I think it just must must have been such a relief for him to finally be able to get those reps in, as he said, and then to be rewarded at the end of that with a, a two-year vote of confidence from your team and you know a clear path towards being an NHL regular next year just must be a, a massive confidence boost for Rathbone going into the summer. Well, and one would think it matters a fair bit, particularly because he started the year in Vancouver, right? Went back down, played really well, and then didn't get the chance to come back, right? So, you know, it's not fair to him to say this, but the way that that feels always for any confident pro athlete, any ambitious young person, is like, I lost my spot, right? And by structuring his deal this way, by investing the organization's confidence in him in advance, right? Carving out space on the 23-man roster for him this far ahead of whatever other moves occur on the roster is a way of providing that carrot, right? Reminding a very important young player for this organization, clearly their top prospect, that, you know, he is an NHL level player. And and I thought it was actually a pretty interesting low risk maneuver for the club to do a multi-year deal, to make it an NHL level deal, to get it done early and to really send that message to a vital young part of this organization. I, I just thought that was thoughtful and the organization was very intentional in how they went about it. You know, my big takeaway from the Rathbone news was always like, this is a really interesting window into some of the player development stuff that the club has talked about a lot but which we haven't seen in practice yet and which we're probably not going to see sort of the fruits of in terms of like you know the club harvesting the benefits of this work from for like years right it's going to take years for this to matter for the team that's unfortunately how building works in this league <laughs> but it was like a, it was like a window it was a a, a small glimpse into the sort of thought that the club is going to put into maximizing the talent on this roster. And and I, I found that super interesting and actually I quite liked it as a gamble, particularly because if Rathbone hits next season, right? The club's also going to have that next year, right? That next year, if he's a everyday NHL player and he signed next year for 850 K the club will be realizing a superb level of efficiency there. And the the point you mentioned, not just about the actual terms of the contract, right, giving Rathbone uh, a little bit of confidence and being a smart bat for the team, but the fact that they got it done early, right? Because so often RFAs, it's, you know, well, look, we got the draft and then we have unrestricted free agency and, you know, we'll deal with you when we can, basically, especially if there's yeah, no concern. We'll grind you on yeah, exactly. No, offer. well, maybe we'll check in a couple weeks before training camp and see if we can get something done, right? Wait, we've, we've all been through that process here uh, as observers with the Vancouver Canucks before and, and, you know, for obvious reasons. That's how it tends to go. But you get it done now, right? Like, not even on the eve of the draft, really. It was it was last week. It was before they go to Montreal. You just give not only yourself some clarity, but the player so much peace of mind. And you don't have to run the risk of anything fracturing 
in the relationship, I think it really does send that message of, hey, this was important to us. We wanted to make sure we took care of it. And as you laid out, I think that spells good things for the team and the player going forward. And I think Jack Rathbone is going to be a really fascinating player to watch when training camp does open um, for the Canucks in September. It's Canucks Hour here, uh, Sportsnet 650. 650-650 is the Dunbar Lumber text line, the smart alternative. Visit Dunbar Lumber on Bridge Street in Ladner or Arbutus in Vancouver online at DunbarLumber.com. I want to get back quickly into the the JT Miller conversation a little bit, which was uh, just cut short in the first segment because we were dealing with some of the breaking news (laughs) around the league. Clayton Texan just tuned in. Drance's voice is unrecognizable. Yes, but it is Drance. Don't worry. He's battling through for us. (laughs) I know. Hey. Hey, my analysis is still good. Yeah. Okay. My it's it's still good analysis. It's just not as high energy as look. Used it's to. Um, my, my bad. My bad. And and I think I'm you sorry. get you get you get cred for fighting through it, man. Come on. I don't know. Like everyone's got to play hurt uh, sometimes. It happens. A hundred percent. And and this is this is hockey media playoffs, right? Like this is this is where you have to play hurt. This is the moment. You know, this is where you got to heal like Wolverine. Unfortunately, <laughs> my throat's not quite cooperating, despite the fact that I've drunk four liters of honey already this morning but that's okay we'll be fine um, oh man. jt miller all right. hold on, hold on. before miller. before before we get to jt miller i wanted to throw this out to the listeners to the 650 650 uh dunbar lover text line so it is draft day we'll talk a little bit more about you know the actual draft the 15th overall pick in the next segment but i just wanted to throw this out to the listeners hit us up what do you think is going to happen today and what do you want to happen today from a Canucks perspective and that could be 15th overall pick that could be JT Miller that could be other moves just let us know what are you thinking where's your heart at and where's your head at what do you want to happen and what do you think will happen from a Canucks perspective 650 650 and to pivot back to JT Miller um the the one thing that stood out to me about your report and, and Frank Saravelli alluded to this as well Drancer was just the size of the gap that seems to still still exist on contract negotiations, right? And it's just the more we hear that, and, and as you said, you haven't really ever heard anything positive uh, on that front. And look, yeah, with with all those regular caveats about things can change, but the more we hear that, it's just harder for me to imagine what could change that would cause all of a sudden that chasm to be bridged, right? It's just, I'm not sure at this point what's going to change the calculus of where both parties in these negotiations stand. Yeah, and, you know, it was hard. It's a hard story to report on right now. You know, the Bartlett Hockey Group, they're busy. They've got a million things going on. They've got Logan Cooley at the top of the draft. They've got some pretty key UFAs coming up. It's hard to pull intel out of this group right now, uh, both on the Miller side and on the Canucks side. And I think that's very much intentional on, on, on all sides of the equation. The one thing that basically everyone repudiated was the idea of an eight-year max term being tendered yesterday. That was the one thing that everyone was like, nope, uh-uh, nope, not true. Um, but I, I wasn't able to confirm, like, I've heard five, I've heard six uh, in terms of the term of the of the Canucks offer, and I wasn't able to confirm it either way. So, you know, this is one where I think the teams involved are playing it pretty close to the vest. I think the club is playing it pretty close to the vest, and I think Miller's camp is playing it close to the vest. And then to sort of add a, a layer of a complexity 
or complication from a reporter standpoint is that the JT Miller talk on Twitter, right, has been through the roof endless, like probably the most talked about item aside from Will Montreal pick writer Slavkovsky uh, in the lead up to the draft. And yet the activity and the decibel level of the speculation has sort of been at odds with my best intel about how quiet it's been around the Canucks. So it, it, that sort of adds an element too, where you're trying to stay on top of a story that feels like if you're tracking it on Twitter, like things are unfolding at a breakneck pace and then you're kind of checking in and you know, Nope, it's, kind of, it's, it's all kind of static. It's a very interesting dichotomy. And, and honestly, probably the biggest gap that I've ever worked through, um, you know, as a reporter with with good enough sources to check this stuff. So you're saying there's a, a big gap between the demand for JT Miller news and the supply of JT Miller news, basically. There, there's a, a logjam in the JT Miller rumor supply chain is what I'm hearing there, Trancer. Well, yeah, and, you know, you're draft, I'm drafting that piece uh, with Dollywall yesterday, and I'm like, so our big update is that it's quiet. <laughs> <laughs> but look, I'm not going to lie to you, right? Like, I, I, as of yesterday afternoon, it was quiet. And the club didn't think that something was going to get done ahead of the draft unless things changed. Like, that is gold, take it to the bank, 100% true. But, of course, things can change. And, yeah, you're right. There is a demand supply issue that we're working (laughs) through here. Which is why I want to steer the conversation to a few other things that we hit in this article. So, if you go to The Athletic, you can read... What we're hearing about JT Miller and Vancouver's plans at the 2022 NHL draft and some of the intel that I have that I think is perhaps a little more interesting, a little more fleshed out, a little more substantive. Well, and we'll we'll involves. Yeah, we'll we'll turn the page here in in just a second and, and get into it all in the next segment. But it is kind of interesting because there are a lot of other really fascinating situations around the Vancouver Canucks and interesting things that could happen. And you're right. It's all kind of being crowded out to a certain extent by the JT Miller speculation and JT Miller kind of weight. And, you know, you can point the finger at, uh, at, at us and our colleagues here at 650, but it's not as if there's no demand for the conversation. You know, everywhere you go, people are wondering about JT Miller. But to your point, Drancer, there's some other really we're, fascinating we're things going on. Miller seagulls. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah, they're everywhere. They're everywhere. They're stealing our lunch. But, um, yeah, I mean... There are some really interesting fronts and and it's still quiet on these fronts too, right? Like I am at the point too where I'd be surprised by a trade down. Um, you know, I think the way that the list is shaping up across like not not just the Canucks list, like the overall draft board, the way that's shaping up is so uncertain that I think the Canucks are eager to see if one of the players that they really, really like might fall to them. And and Marco Casper and Jonathan Lekermacki are kind of the two names that I keep hearing the club will be crossing their fingers, right? In terms of in terms of, you know, waiting to see exactly what the board looks like and seeing if those guys maybe get to 15. No one thinks they will. No one thinks they will. But you can always hope. And the, and those are sort of the two names that I'm watching for 
and expecting the Canucks to be watching anxiously as the draft unfolds in front of them. We will talk more about draft options for the Canucks at 15, some other news and notes and tidbits that uh, that Drans and Dolly all reported today at The Athletic. Read your thoughts as well about what you want to see, what you think you might see tonight from the Canucks at the draft or over the next couple of days anyways. And uh, later on in the hour, Sean Gentilly from The Athletic will join the show as well. It is the Canucks Hour here on Sportsnet 650.